Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. My name is Brad Watson. Today, I'm interviewing two really good friends from Melbourne, Australia. I spent seven days with their churches a few months ago, and I dearly love these two brothers, their churches, their families. I wept as I left the country. They're fantastic, and and I'm excited to, to share with you stories about what God's doing there, as well as principles and things that they're learning that I think apply to people all over the world. Uh, they're really smart, humble, brilliant folks, and you'll really enjoy their Australian accents and my attempt at saying some of them. Beyond that, a few things I want to highlight on the Saturate world. One is we're having a Saturate Everyday event in Los Angeles in August. Definitely go to the website, check that out. It's going to be a great day in LA. It's just a few miles from my house, which is really exciting, and I'll be teaching alongside uh, other people from our church here in Los Angeles. So definitely come and, and check that out if you're in Southern California or if you want to fly here in the sunny times of August. One other thing I want to share, we've recently released a 10-week devotional guide on gospel fluency. It's called Gospel Rooted Day by Day. Uh, it's by a pastor who's been really involved with Soma and Saturate over the years. It's a really rich devotional Uh, definitely check that out. It's free for all members. And this is a good chance to talk about membership. The Saturate membership gives you access to hundreds and hundreds of videos, documents, eBooks, devotionals, curriculum, uh, all of the best practices and things that we've discussed and that we've learned in our 15 years of doing gospel ministry this way. We're packaging it all together into this membership. You should definitely take advantage of it. There's pricing for different levels of of how you might use it. It's a phenomenal gateway into the very best that we have to offer. Also, the Saturate membership comes with an online community where you can ask questions and interact with other leaders, other pastors, other people trying. You can get connected to people in your own area that are doing uh, this sort of work or learning these same things. Uh, If you're wanting to take this stuff Uh, that we talk about in the podcast and implement it in your own church or even see it happen in your own city. I think the membership is one of the easy, low-hanging ways that you can take the next step. So if you're listening and you're not a member, get a membership. One new resource that we just put in there is the Gospel Rooted Day by Day. It's a 10-week devotional guide on gospel fluency. It's really great for the reader and for the heart of disciples. And without anything else to share, let's jump into today's episode. This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing and living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. G'day, mates. It's me, Brad Watson, talking with my friends from Australia, <laughs> Nathan, <laughs> Nathan and Pete. How are you guys doing? Very well, thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> so glad to have you join. Uh, I spent a week with you two uh, a couple months ago or a month ago, just about, and I had one of the most amazing trips I've ever had, spending time with both of your churches in Melbourne. Australia, the most beautiful, best coffee city I've ever traveled to. Most beautiful Australian city I've ever traveled <laughs> to. 
Yeah, it's just great to be chatting with you guys again uh, about your city, about your context, about the mission. So, yeah, glad you guys are here. Yeah, it's good. It's so good. Do you guys have any, uh, you know, Australian updates for me since I was there? Uh, or maybe you could tell the world, what's it like having me come around and, and be a heavy burden for a week? <laughs> Anything but a burden. Uh, no, it's so good. Like, <laughs> we're so grateful, just uh, particularly um, over the last four or five years, we've just built this great relationship with, with SOMA in the United States and you guys have been so generous and particularly generous, I think, in a number of you coming down almost every year, I think, to just share with us and encourage us and teach and train our churches and that's just been a big part of our story uh, for me and Nathan as well I know as well so we're just super grateful uh, thankful to God for you guys yeah we loved it our church was so feels so blessed by you coming mm. we don't know how to talk about it yeah <laughs> we keep referring to it like the Brad trip or something like that yeah and, uh, yeah. Just, yeah it was a bit weird saying that but like it was it had a lot of impact we're talking about it like we just don't know how to talk about it that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> the Brad coming. People at our yeah. church uh, keep forgetting your name, and so it's just like oh, that guy with glasses, and he was awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 all in um very affectionate, very affectionate. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I I actually just got new glasses that are not red. What? Yes. Uh, so everyone, watch out! But my son hates it. He's like, "Those are boring. Take those <laughs> off." But our church is going to be devastated. I also got a new pair of red glasses. Oh, that's okay. I'm trying to wear them less, so I can still, you know, appease the people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to have you guys on to yeah talk about your contacts in your cities, and so maybe we could start. Um, Nathan, you could go first and just kind of describe your church and your history and, and kind of where you are at in Melbourne. Yeah. So we're in Melbourne. Our church is full of young families, a ridiculous amount of small children. The eldest child is probably like eight or nine, and we've got nearly 40, 50 of those kids. <laughs> That's our church. We're, we're full of young families. God's been good in bringing along some people from a different bracket, older, younger, people without kids. That's great. Uh, yeah, that's us. We've been going for about six or seven years. We planted in 2012 and, yeah, share life on mission together since then. Awesome. How about you, Pete? Uh, yeah, so I lead uh, Inner West Church. We are an Anglican church plant, so we were birthed out of a bigger Anglican church called St. Jude's uh, about four five years ago. Um, yeah, about 50 or 60 adults, about a dozen kids. Uh, we have four missional communities and we're kind of planted in the inner western suburbs. So it's a bit of a different context from Nathan. We're uh, kind of inner urban a bit more. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're quite close to the kind of what we call the CBD, you might call downtown. Uh, we're in the west and so the west is a bit different from the east. West has, uh, has real industrial history. Um, but the inner suburbs have the last probably decade been really gentrified and become very affluent. Still mm-hmm. kind of has the, the vestiges of that industrial past. And so there's this great sense of community, really closeness, um, almost like a village kind of feel. People really like to know each other. Neighbors like to know each other, which we really love. Um, and it's also really transient. So people tend to only stay for two or three mm. years, unlike out in the suburbs where they really plant for a long time. And yeah, it's really progressive. Uh, Melbourne's a progressive city. Uh, 
in terms of culture, um, very our area particularly very left leaning politically. Yes, that makes the uh, a lot of joy, a lot of challenge in doing mission together. Yeah. Hmm. Part of what I I really enjoyed about the the trip and the time that I spent with you guys is is how similar and different both of your places are when you plant and kind of gave me an appreciation for kind of every city in the world. You have, you have different churches, uh, different, you know, even denominational backgrounds, both of you have and uh, affiliations and things, but you uh, are pursuing the same vision of the gospel being the center of every disciple's life, seeing every disciple in your church as someone who can be equipped and raised up and sent out into God's mission and in community. But, you know, the, the places that you're doing that are very different. And even mm. Australia is super mm. different than the United States. Mm. Yeah, I think that's, that's really fascinating. And one of the things, too, is you guys were really just really thoughtful about your culture and, and kind of the moment you're in. And you've spent some time with some of us Americans with our, with our <laughs> cool accents. Was, it was great to be at the reverse end mm. of the accent war. <laughs> Uh, usually, you know, everyone that listens to this podcast in the States is going to be like, oh, those spiritual, <laughs> wonderful Australians, everything they said was so wonderful. But it was cool there. I was the American with the American accent. Anyway, you guys have experienced both and tastes of different cultures. What? How would you describe the difference between doing gospel ministry in Melbourne and perhaps some of the context in the United States? Mm. What makes it unique? One of the, the big differences, as I understand it, and uh, you have to correct me, Brad, my, my American history isn't amazing. Uh, but uh, I believe that, I mean, <laughs> you guys started with, you know, America founded with free people, um, you know, coming uh, for, to start new lives together, coming to a new world, you know, or excitement, anticipation, all that sort of thing. Australia's uh, beginning story is really different. We we're a nation of convicts. We began by England basically sending to Australia, using us as a uh, using the country as a, like a, a prison, basically, and so that just gave Australia a very different founding story. It's really changed the the fabric of of I guess who we are as a nation. Uh, very suspicious of leadership. Very um, suspicious of power, authority. Very big on kind of uh, everyone having a fair go. You know, looking out for the little guy. That sort of thing is really different, mm-hmm. and and I think part of it as well, just in terms of how Christianity has developed, is that well, Christianity is a, a presence in Australia, but unlike America, I think where it's really embedded in the fabric of the of the, of the culture in Australia, in pretty much all of Australia, it's uh, just very secular. Where religion is uh, Christianity, particularly, it's kind of like the weird uncle that you know you sh- you know you have to invite to family gatherings a couple of times a year but you probably would prefer if they just stayed home like i feel like that's that's basically the church <laughs> in australia and yeah. so your people uh, uh have a suspicion about the church because they see it as like a, a, as a power mm-hmm. as an authority figure or, or sometimes they're just blatantly antagonistic but often just apathetic they just don't know and mm-hmm. they don't really care so but nathan yeah. i'm sure got stuff to add to that yeah, I mean, I'm sure you know, we've talked about it a bit at least, but I'm sure a lot of people know about Australia. We were founded as convicts, basically. So that feeds into what Pete was saying there about the um, authority and the response to authority. We're really anti-authoritarian. Mm-hmm. We we don't like 
authority. I don't know if you felt like that mm. when you were here, Brad, but that, that's, that's something that's really true, I think, in Melbourne, anti-authoritarian. And so anything that comes with a sense of telling mm. you what to do, like it's not received very well. Mm-hmm. And part of that feeds this sort of flavour, particularly in Melbourne, and I think uh, pr- Melbourne's probably the most progressive uh, city in Australia. So particularly in Melbourne, that's sort of, sort of emphasised it creates this sort of anti-religious feeling. We don't like things that come mm. with suggestions mm. about how to live or, or or directives about that. And it's so kind of thick. It's like we're we're religious about not being religious. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's good. We we want we want to be the boss of ourselves. We yeah. we don't want to be told what to do. Yeah. And, and as well, like the other thing that's probably really well known about Australia is the tall poppy syndrome where we cut down champions, <laughs> people who are doing well, we don't yeah. celebrate very well. <laughs> One thing I'm noticing, which probably like it, maybe this isn't super different to your context in America. Um, I think the, the Western world is probably heading toward mm. this direction in general uh, as, as we move away from you know, society that's been founded on religion and, and that sort of stuff. But there's this really thick... Uh, secular moralism, yeah, where where people have really clear ideas about what's right and wrong. We just don't want to, to attach it to anything to do with faith mm-hmm, or church yeah. or a god figure or anything like that. And yeah. in Melbourne, I feel that I feel that a lot. Um, yeah, to the point where we are religious about not being religious. Yeah, yeah that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, that's a really good description, and yeah, totally. Yeah, I resonate with. I mean, I was there so limited time, but I think that that's that's exactly how it feels. As well as, yeah, just just such a unique place being a being in an island really far from everywhere mm. else. You know, <laughs> like it's a, it's truly. Uh, I mean, it's and it's fascinating. Even just you know, funny things like footy or Australian rules football is this wacky yeah. sport that's incredible. It, people should YouTube yeah. it. It, it reminds me too of like, how did you get all these kangaroos and koalas <laughs> and platypuses? It's like, oh, well, you're on this island so removed from everything else. They couldn't travel other places. And it, I mean, that's, it kind of seems that way too. It's, uh, you're, you're very like reliant on yourselves and um, it's very fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're proud of what we do. We're proud of it. Like AFL is this mm. weird sport. Like it's the weirdest a weird code of footy it's totally indigenous to us and almost to melbourne like the national sport of afl nine <laughs> of its teams are in one city in melbourne right. <laughs> it's really great but we kind of think everyone should love yeah. footy everyone should yeah. love it right <laughs> we're, so, we're so proud of the good stuff that we do we think we, we know we have the best coffee and we think yeah. everyone should think about us that way too right this is how we think yeah so I think, yeah, you bought all of that up together. And then I, I think the, the question I have is, as you guys are, you know, kind of lead missionaries in your church, churches and, and leading people towards that. And you have a vision for your cities. Like, how do you envision the gospel coming to your neighborhoods and your communities? Like, what, what are those obstacles? And then how do you, how do you see God doing that? Mm. Uh, for me, I, I think um, because of the anti-authority feelings there's a couple things that stand out to me but the first thing is that um, whatever we do like it needs to come in the flesh it needs to be visible it needs to be seen not just proclaimed in a building somewhere but it needs to be lived out of the church building expressed in reality where it can be seen and 
it's mm. real. It's known to be mm. real. This is something that people can see and mm. taste and touch and feel and be part of. It's not just telling people what to do. It's experience. Um, I think that's that's really key. Mm. I'm finding that uh, particularly. And the other thing that I think that is standing out to me lately about how the gospel is good news, at least in my neighborhood, particularly in the suburbs where people like to sort of separate themselves from the community. We buy houses with big fences and we don't often even know our neighbors' names. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm noticing that the gospel is it's good news. Uh, that actually brings people together. It restores. Mm. It restores community. It 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 brings closeness to people, and it, I think that's the sort of community mm. that mm. lots of people are really hungry for that they want. Just a quick story. The other day, my daughter. It's freezing cold here, by the way. You said what's an update on Australia? <laughs> it's freezing cold. <laughs> <laughs> Middle of winter, and so my daughter, though she's six years old, she's trying to figure out how she can make money so she can you know, buy stuff she wants. She really wants a camera lens, which isn't, that's another story. That's, that's good for her. She's working at it. And so she came up with the idea of a lemonade stand, but seeing as though it's freezing cold, she changed it to a hot chocolate stand. Mm. So my wife is great at this stuff. She um, just went, all right, let's do it. They set up a hot, hot chocolate stand in the um, park. We live next to a park. And, uh, you know, like we can see out the window, like five people walk past that mm. place a day. Like no one goes there. Mm. But well, we set up this hot chocolate stand and people, neighbors came from everywhere. Like people, neighbors who were driving past to go to their home, they like sort of did a lap of the park, oh. parked their car and then walked back to where we were just to have a conversation, to talk, to hang out and and all that, and we're new to the neighbourhood, so we don't really know anyone. I don't think they know anyone either. <laughs> and it was like this thing where mm. people have been mm. busting mm. for this community. They're just waiting for someone to bring mm. it, you know. Um, and for us, to be honest, like we were trying to help our daughter make some money. Uh, <laughs> we didn't realise how how beneficial that would be, missionally speaking, you know. Mm. Um, it was great. craving community, and I think that, yeah, when they see the people of God loving one another in community, that's that's a huge draw that we have in the suburbs here, yeah. Yeah. Can I add something to that as well? Because uh, I, I totally agree. I think uh, commu- that desire for community is so real. Uh, one of the things that we had to kind of uh, learn earlier on is that um, even the people who really seem to have their lives put together, they're wealthy, they've got a family, they've got, living in a nice place and nice suburb actually also just as just as much struggle with isolation as a lot of the other people mm. that we kind of expect to struggle with that like the you know the poor is below the poverty line you know, the, the you know uh migrants that sort of thing like that obviously definitely struggle with isolation but there's wealthy people um people like us you know middle class who are just so lonely mm. um i was sitting in a cafe a couple of years ago and this this couple w- walked in and sat next to me and uh i love eavesdropping so anyway they, they they were pretty close i couldn't help i couldn't help it but they were having this argument um with each other right and the woman saying to the guy i i just can't stand our friends anymore <laughs> like they're <laughs> all we do is just party on the weekend mm. and i just can't i can't do it anymore and the guy's like i don't understand what do you mean like our friends are great uh anyway and then you know the classic 
uh, I, yeah, conversation finisher, uh, let's just go. And then they walked out. They hadn't even ordered their coffee, I don't think. Uh, and I just saw it as like this little snapshot mm-hmm. behind the curtain of this deep sense of lack of intimacy, lack of friendship, lack of community. People want it so desperately, but they just don't know how to get it. And even though, so in our neighborhood there, they've, they've really given community a really what we call a red hot go. Mm. They've, um, they've set up this net, Facebook network uh, called the Kensington Good Karma Network, uh, which is great. It's this neighborhood network, right? And they, it's basically about helping each other and it's kind of loosely based on the karma kind of thing. And, um, and it's great and it's huge. It's like thousands of people now all trying to help each other and it's really fantastic. And, but what's been really interesting is as, they've, as this community has developed, what's become come really increasingly obvious is that uh, people love community, they love the idea of community, but once they're really in it and they really start doing life together, then the cracks start showing. Mm-hmm. Uh, people get judgmental, people get angry at each other, people get self-righteous, and then they don't know how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. They've got no resources yeah. to draw on to actually move through mess. So one of the things I think that we've seen, uh, we just think the gospel is so good at is is just dealing with mess, dealing with conflict, dealing with when people don't act the way they should and being able to forgive and reconcile and actually be stronger for it. Like there's, I think our society has no nothing to draw on to, to really do that uh, mm-hmm. really well and to make community sustainable into the future. So, yeah, I think it's really, really important. Mm. Mm, that's so fantastic. And I think one question that that leads me to is then, you know, if that's, that's how you're seeing like just the need of the gospel in these areas, you know, how, how have you uh, experienced kind of calling people to live in community and on mission? You know, like what's been rewarding hard about that, you know, as you've led, led churches of missional communities? Uh, one of the things for us that we've just loved is uh, just learning how to be disciples in all of life. You know, what it means to follow Jesus with your whole life. Um, and, of course, that we go straight for the big stuff, you know, okay, well, how do you follow Jesus in your work, you know, in your relationships, in your family? But what gets me really excited, I think, and is just so key for community, is actually learning how to follow Jesus in the really mundane stuff, in the little mm-hmm. things, that when people start realizing, oh, so Jesus is Lord of my whole life, and that means he's like Lord of like how I walk my dog, how I go to the gym, how I go to the supermarket, how they, how I do my taxes, how I, and as well as the big stuff, how I go to work and how I love my my spouse, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so I think that's really important because in a in a in a culture that we live in, which I think the same in the states, that kind of idolizes the extraordinary, is always after mm-hmm. the big and the the specky, the you know. That's, that's where we find a kind of joy. I love when God's people come together and they just find this joy in the ordinary mm. and a real sense of thankfulness and a desire to utilize that ordinary stuff as, as kind of a resource. I think it just it creates a community which is really thick and enjoyable to be part of in a, in a really simple way. Like uh, my mission community, I love, to, I love reminding them every now and then as we sit down for our family meal, on, on a Thursday night and, you know, it's someone's made some, some soup or a bit of pasta or some nachos or whatever. And I just sit down and go, Hey guys, this is so weird. Like it's so <laughs> weird that here we are around the table 
and there's some older people, some younger people, singles, married people, people with different backgrounds. And and every week we do this. We just sit down. We have this meal together and we thank God for it and we mm. talk about life. Like that is an odd thing in the culture we live in that's so mundane and yet kind of so beautiful at the same time as uh, the gospel brings us together to to, to share food around sim- something as, as simple as that. So I, I love that. That's really rewarding to me as, as, as people start getting that, it's kind of switches, the switch goes on yeah. in their mind. They say, oh, wow, this is not just something that I've got to do, but something that I value. It's a significant part of my life, this, or these ordinary things. Yeah, so yeah. That, I, I think that's, that's just or something that really brings joy to me. Yeah. That's that's great, Pete. Hearing how you do that, I love that. It's really cool, and and ha- hearing how you kind of talk to that in the moment—that's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I did mention earlier that our church is like full of small mm. children. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is my regular whinge topic <laughs> that it's so hard to be on mission in community together when it's not. Yeah, when everyone has kids, everyone's got small children. Like we don't have gaps. That's been our experience for a long time. That's hard. That's challenging. But, I mean, aside from that, I think, um, you know, I, I, I love what Pete's saying. It's the everyday stuff. To me, like, the reward and the challenge almost are the same thing. Like, mm. uh, yeah. And it's that applying the gospel in the everyday stuff of life. Mm. That it's, it's really challenging. And when it comes up, it's incredibly rewarding. Mm. Like, the process of planting and in, in leading up to launching our church, for me, like, that couple of years, that time God really opened my eyes up to discover the gospel in a way I'd never really done it before. Actually, and connecting with Simon was a huge part of that. And I think what it did was it made the gospel kind of new and like so central. It had to be central mm. to whatever we did as a new church. It had to be centered on the gospel. Mm. And so when we planted, like we talked about it in a way that people really hadn't heard about it before. We were talking about the gospel in relation to the everyday things that we do, like what Pete's saying, like eating, like food, like the way we talk about mm. that. And it's it's funny how things like that, and our church would still talk about that, like food mm. <laughs> makes sense now because of the gospel. You know what I mean? Like, and 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 when we attach it to something like that, like. The gospel becomes as real as you know the the sausage and bread that's sliding down your throat. You feel it. It's it's real. Like mm. it, we apply it to kids, and then someone has a has a baby, and and um, before you know it, they're standing up in front of a room full of people at a party, thanking mm. God for this child, and talking about the growth mm-hmm. of God in that. And it just flavors our parties it flavors our time together it flavors you know all that stuff mm. when we make mm. central that's the most rewarding thing and i, f- I actually find that we're, we're new to understanding how to apply the gospel in every day and so we're clumsy mm. uh, it's challenging to sometimes figure out yeah. how we, we we can look to jesus in in everyday mm. stuff but when people have conflict and then it's resolved because we each see our need for mm. jesus that to me is super challenging to not just run and, and respond how we feel yeah. like responding, but incredibly rewarding when we see Jesus is the hero of our arguments and, and our and our community. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's the sort of stuff where that challenge and reward really 
really pay mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Yeah. And just to add to that, the, like, when you talk, I love how you talk about how when the gospel becomes central, just how much that changes everything. It changes community. Mm-hmm. And then people start to realize, oh, so the gospel is about all of life. So that must mean that mission is kind of in all of life as well. And I love, it, and we've seen this a little bit in our church, uh, how the spirit just starts giving people real creativity about how they can go about that in ways I think that are probably never thought of mm-hmm. before or even considered to be mission. And suddenly this creative spark gets loosed. There's a, a little story of how that happened mm-hmm. recently. Uh, there's a, a one woman in our mission community who, I love this, that uh, started to think a lot about how to be on mission in the workplace. Um, and she is supervised by a, like a superior and they catch up. They have to do, uh, her boss has is has to do professional development with her and like kind of be a mentor and stuff. And so uh, she brought along, um, you know, Tim Keller's Every Good Endeavor book. And she said to her boss, look, if you're going to really understand what makes me tick so that you can help, so you can really supervise me the best, I'd love you to read this book because it would just help you to understand what my life's about. And so, yeah, he took it and read it. (laughs) I'm like, that's so cool. I've never in a million years have thought of doing that. But again, when the when the <laughs> when the gospel propels you, and you start thinking about this stuff, and like I don't know, something creative happens that, and then it's shared in community and encourages the whole body, and people, you know, there's a bit of a a snowball effect, I think. So yeah, it's really cool. That's the thing. Like this stuff, it's hard to celebrate it when it's just individuals yeah, going yeah. out doing your own thing. But when it's discovered yeah. in community, like that's something really special about that. That becomes our story. The gospel becomes our story because yeah. we do this in community. Yeah. That's that's the real yeah, game changer, absolutely. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so uh, I had I had some challenges as well, Brad. I don't know. Absolutely. What are those challenges? Uh, well, two quick ones. Um, one is that, uh, and we kind of mentioned this in terms of Australian culture. It's pretty secular. Um, religions really to the margins, and that means that like, mission really has to be a long game. It's got to be long term. Um, there's not much low hanging fruit, you know. There's the people who do like just come along the church and then get converted. Praise God! It doesn't seem to happen heaps. It seems to take years uh, at the moment with mm-hmm. most of the people that we're kind of trying to reach. And and I think that's difficult for uh, for the people in our churches because yeah. I, th- I think that they've still kind of grown up with a bit of an assumption that oh yeah, so I'll go on mission and yep. To my friend, yeah, yeah, well, even we'll do it as community, fantastic. And that'll probably take a couple of months, then they'll come to Christ. Uh, and then when that doesn't happen, there's this uh, really, uh, it can be really disappointing and demoralizing and pretty easy to kind of go, oh, well, we tried it. <laughs> well, we'll move on now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I've, we've really had to do is just kind of reassess and go, hang on, God doesn't say when it's going to happen. He just says for us to be faithful with these people, to build friendships and relationships, and not to make them projects. So if it's a project, then yeah, there's a time frame. But if it's a relationship, there's no time frame on that. So that means we've got to go for you know, we just go for years if necessary, um, and that and uh, and and just have to uh, build this you know, a kind of just a different attitude about how we go about mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got people in our church who are, have been in our church for two years, maybe, um, and haven't made decisions for Christ yet. And once upon a time, we'll look mm-hmm. and go, "What's going on? Like, what are we doing wrong?" And now I'm going, "Yeah, like, they're here. They're 
they're learning about Jesus. <laughs> they're being loved and cared for. They're starting to like love and care for us as well. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's just keep doing that. So that's mm. that's one. Uh, the other one is, and this is, might be a church planting thing as well, and that's uh, just emotional wear and tear. Like I realized, I did a bit of an audit yeah. the other day and realized that our church, because we're such a transient neighborhood, we've actually been through, uh, we've had three times turnover in four years. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> and because we believe in community and we believe in going deep with each other, that means that we wow. invest deeply in each other's lives and then those people mm. move on. And then new people come, then you do it again, and then they move on, and then you do it again. And this, uh, no one told me this in church playing school. Not that I had a church playing school, but you know, I'm sure they would have not told me this if I did. Uh, that no, no one says like that's really hard. That really wears on you. Just the emotional investment over and over again. It's costly on you. It's mm. costly on. It's costly on my wife. It's costly on our leaders, and it's kind of. Hard to know how to teach resilience for that. How to how to do that in the long the long term. Absolutely. Yeah. So we found that a massive challenge. Yeah, and that's one that I completely resonate with. Like <laughs> even in Los Angeles, where this church is eight years old, almost nine, and we also, because of the nature of the city, see so many people come in for two or three years and then leave. And so yeah, it's it's such a challenge to realize that, oh, we've, we need to disciple people in these urban areas really quickly for the longevity of their life. And it won't actually build into mm. our church getting bigger, stronger, you know, faster, mm. but it will build into the kingdom yeah. and it's expanse that way. Yeah, definitely a challenge. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, just one last question I always like to ask folks is, yeah, what's one big thing that you're giving a go at, you mug? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Give it a go, your mug. Is that yeah. bad? I don't think I've ever said that in my life. Yeah, there you go. That's my slang that I picked up. My my Australian slang has weakened in the last four weeks, but it was super. It was on point. It was and it was full on. Yeah. When I got home, you sound like a native. Like it's just amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm just right there. But uh, <laughs> what's one thing that you're giving a try? you're giving a go with as you're discipling people these days or, or what's the big thing that you're learning as you, as you do this? Uh, yeah, I'm trying something at the moment to help try and uh, multiply leaders. It's always a challenge is multiplying leaders and I'm doing it. I'm having to go in a bit of a funny way. Uh, I'm taking a small group of people through some training on how to preach sermons, how to write and preach sermons and my idea with mm. that is in part to equip people who may have a gift in in preaching and teaching or perhaps even leadership, but to take those people through it in such a way that uh, they learn how to write gospel-centered messages with a strong understanding of how the Bible um, speaks the gospel to every scenario of life. And my idea in that mm is in part to equip people to preach, but actually just to equip leaders who actually know how to apply uh, the Bible with a gospel-centered view of it yeah. um, for people in everyday situations. Uh, and then the bonus is that they might get to preach and then they get a platform where people look to them as a leader 
as someone who knows how to do this and then someone who then in turn they can go to uh, regularly or we can ask to go work through some stuff with people or hopefully that they just naturally go about it themselves. Uh, I'm, I'm having a go. It's, hmm. I'm figuring, figuring it out as I go, but I, I'm excited about it. That's cool. Yeah, that's a really cool idea of thinking like, oh, if I can see them preach the gospel in light of every text yeah. in the scriptures, how much will that help them be gospel fluent? Which I think is a big thing that people often, like if you ever spend time with Jeff Vanderstel, he's super, you know, he wrote the book Gospel Fluency. Uh, so I guess there's that. Uh, but also the dude has like memorized the Bible. Yeah. Like it's crazy. And he's, a, and he's in his mind connects the, any passage of scripture to like a truth about the gospel. And mm. that's a low key skill that people need to be developing. So that's a great, I love yeah. that experiment. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Like um, it's, I think it's really funny that, you know, we've, we've both started churches with this conviction that it's got to be about people, not programs. Uh, and yet, inevitably, at some point, we start adding in some programs. I think that's okay. It's a good thing because you know, if it's if it's serving the community, it's if it's if it's helping to grow people in the gospel, the love mm-hmm. of Jesus. Then, and you, actually, the, having some things which are a bit more set down, and yeah, it's a good thing. So we've um, one of the things that we've been trying is. A lot, a number of people in our church are really big Tim Mackey Bible Project mm. fans, I guess. And you know this, Brad, because some of them didn't want to talk to you about like anything else. Uh, <laughs> They're good fans. <laughs> and, and it's such an awesome resource, but uh, it's really cool. Like that, that ministry has grown a real love for for scripture, and we wanted to kind of not, you know, not take advantage of that, I guess, but you know, ride that wave, like. Yeah, people wanting to love the Bible again or more or deeply. So how can we do that? Well, we were doing a series on Romans and in the series, I don't know, someone pointed out in a sermon, this is a letter and it would have been, as, as we all do when we start series and epistles, like you say, this is a letter, would have been read aloud in, in front of a group. And someone said, well, why don't we do that? Like if this, mm. if this stuff is meant to be read aloud, and why why wouldn't we do that as as to help us with our understanding of the scriptures? And so that kind of led to this idea. And we've only done it once, but we're about to do it again. And I'm hoping that we'll do it maybe every couple of months or something eventually, where we gather in someone's lounge room, with some nice food, coffee, and we just read a really large passage of scripture. So we did the whole book of Romans, about eleven of us, and it was brilliant. Like people kind of came out of that going, I have picked up things from that that I've never come across before or thought of before. Yeah. Uh, there's a richness to how this is all put, is put together. It's just brilliant. And so, yeah, it's just something we've just given a go to see is this something that I think, one, can actually help grow our people in their love for the Bible and their knowledge of it, as you just pointed out, Brad, even memorization of it, I know. But um, mm-hmm. I reckon that, is a potential here for evangelism as well because mm-hmm. it's so simple. Come, you're going to hear a, you know, world-class piece of literature, which Melbourne people are kind of into, mm-hmm. you know, uh, being read out and we're not going to like do a deep in-depth Bible study on it afterwards. We're just going to invite some, uh, we just invite some responses and then we pray and we're done. And so 
it's just something we're going to, so we're going to, we're about to do Luke, um, hopefully in the next little while. And I just love it to be um, a regular thing and something that could really grow, I think. Yeah, something that might gain some bit of purchase in our current kind of cultural climate, uh, not just with our people, yeah. but with the, the larger culture as well. So, yeah, just something we're giving a go. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I'm, uh, I'm going to steal that too. I just, uh, <laughs> we're going to start the Gospel of Mark in the, in the fall here, our fall, our autumn. Mm. Oh, perfect. And that would be a perfect thing to, and it's one of my favorites, just to have a spot where we can sit down and come and read. And, and I do think, yeah, that that could be very missional as well, even in the way that uh, some people use the the idea of an oral narrative telling of the story of God, of the whole Bible in a sitting down setting. I imagine just saying, Christianity is all about Jesus. Have you ever read or listened to like the story of Jesus? Mm-hmm you know like come we're gonna read it and engage in it i think that's yeah that's a really great brilliant idea yeah love that this is fantastic guys i love i love reconnecting with you i love hearing those stories thanks so much for sharing that stuff um any other yeah kind of parting words that you might have no no pressure to have any but uh as you think about the people that listen to the podcast they're a lot like the people in your churches any encouragements for people as they kind of press into the gospel for all of life? One thing that actually I, we, I think we really learnt from our time with you, Brad, is that uh, one thing is that this, this stuff takes time. Um, it's really easy to just want, i just got to get this perfectly gospel-centered church and it's going to happen in three years and then we'll be kind of good. But no, it takes a lot of time and it happens often without you kind of noticing or even really trying to chase it. I think for me, I've, I'm the sort of person I kind of get really almost obsessed with the strategy and the, the process of how we're going to meet our goals and how we can become the church that we want to be. Mm-hmm. And what I think I, I'm learning at the moment and God's teaching me is just relax. <laughs> like Jesus is our good shepherd. He's leading us down the right pathway. Um, and it will happen mm. in his good time. And it actually saps my joy when I overthink things and make mm. everything a big deal and obsess over the details. And, and when I just relax and just enjoy being in a church and and learning the gospel together and doing community and when I just enjoy that actually I realize oh wow we've gone way further than I thought we had <laughs> mm. but otherwise I can't see it and I just get stressed and overworked so um, and I think yeah if I may say Brad it's something that I saw in you as you were with us and and kind of reminded me of that and made me go oh yeah I want to I want to be relaxed about this. <laughs> and, uh, and so that was a real, uh, just a really wonderful little moment for me. So yeah, if I could pass it on to others, that would be what I'd pass on. Hmm. That's awesome. Nate, do you have any? Uh, I, don't, I don't have any advice. I just think, um, <laughs> <laughs> is that funny? <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, you guys are great Australians. Yeah, we don't want to tell you. What, we don't want to tell you what to do. Yeah, no, I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want to be like an authority here. You know, like I'll just say what somebody else. Yeah, That's you right. guys are the real heroes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, but I really don't. I don't have any advice. I, I'm 
I'm genuinely excited to be involved in a podcast like this because it speaks to what's happening across the world, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's more just not advice, just just encouragement, I suppose, in the expression of our gratitude and all that. You know, often you said we're on an island by ourselves all the time. Often it really feels like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure people feel this in all, all parts of the world too. Mm. Uh, yeah. But being connected um, to people who love Jesus, mm. who who understand the gospel and know how to live it out, speak it, and then share it in life on community. Like being connected to that mm. kind of kind of global movement of that is a really special mm. thing and something that really encouraging for us in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, I think it's just encouragement. Mm. Just that this is a really good thing, and we're we're stoked to be part of it. Yeah, thanks. I'm I'm so thankful for you guys, and learned so much with my time there, and thankful to continue to live life, and even from a distance with you guys. And and also, I just wanted to let you guys know. I know Pete won't care much about this, but uh, the National Basketball League of Australia is playing right. preseason games in the United States and Melbourne is playing <laughs> at the Staples Center. Wow. The basketball That's against right. the Los Angeles Clippers, which may or may not have Kawhi Leonard as we record this. <laughs> there you go. So come over and listen. It'll be in October. But uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, Nathan, I look forward to, We're going to chat next week, which will be fun. Yeah. And Pete, we're, we're going to hang out in California in September so can't wait yeah so thankful for you guys and yeah thanks for thanks for joining me today thanks Brad appreciate it today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person every place and every church We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.